Hello, and welcome to the Moxie Gal podcast, where young women can come for the tips and tools that they need to stay relevant, productive, and thrive. Through personal anecdotes, stories, and interviews, we'll uncover what it takes to unleash the moxie or courage that you need to design the life that you want. My name is Ami Valdemoro. I'm a leadership coach, trainer, and business manager. And my main mission in life is to help women get into executive leadership positions as founders, entrepreneurs, or managers in their organizations by teaching them strategies that they can use to unlock their confidence, unleash their courage, and start building a roadmap for their career goals. So today's podcast is going to talk all about problems, what they look like, why not all problems are created equally, and two really super powerful questions that you can ask yourself anytime that you're faced with a problem to begin to design solutions out of that problem and into a new and more productive place. Okay, real talk. How many of you have heard the expression, that person is a problem solver? Or thought to yourselves that you want to be the person that other people see as a problem solver? Saying that you're a problem solver is such a buzzword or something that everybody wants to include in their resume. Is you can claim it as much as you want, but unless you deliver and you show results and you show how you can solve problems, you're going to run out of street cred. So today's podcast is going to focus all on what you can do to become a problem solver. To get started, we're going to go back to the work of Bill Burnett and Dave Evans and their latest book, Designing Your Work Life. Now, Bill and Dave are both designers and they love problems. Now, whether or not you're going to get to the point where you love problems too, I hope that this will at least help you to learn some questions that you can ask yourself to think like these designers and come up with creative solutions to solve the issues that you're facing, whether at work or at home. So are you ready for the questions? Drum roll, please. So the first question that you can ask yourself anytime that you are faced with a situation that you can't really get a good read on or it's some tough nut to crack is what's going on here? Pretty simple question, right? But it's super powerful because it helps to give you some context, right? It's your initial, let's say, hypothesis about what you think is going on and it allows you to define the problem that you're trying to solve. Normally, your first response to this question will consider things that are obvious. They are apparent to anybody who can walk into the organization or the company and see things. When you're answering question number one, right, what is going on here? Think about any patterns that you've been seeing emerging and how long it's been going on. Think about the people or the places or the groups that are involved in this problem and whether the problem is something that's persisted over months or years or if it's a relatively new problem. If you have the chance to speak with other people about the problem, what happens when you ask them this question? Do they run for the hills? Do they say, can I get an amen or preach? Or do they just stay silent? Worse, 
not think that this is a problem at all. The answer to this first question will give you insights into how you view the problem, whether the way that you talk about the problem is something that gives you options for solutions, or if you have boxed yourself in by giving yourself an answer or telling yourself the answer in the problem. Remember how I said that not all problems are created equal? So there are two very specific kinds of problems that we wanna avoid when we're defining the problem that we wanna solve. Bill and Dave call these anchor problems and gravity problems. So anchor problems are problems in which you've already embedded a solution in the problem. So for example, if you are someone who wants to get promoted at work, but the growth of the business doesn't allow for promotions, you would probably state your problem like this. I can never get a promotion because they are not promoting anyone to directors. The problem with that statement is you think that the only way to get promoted or to advance in your professional career is to become a director. See, you've boxed yourself in already. The second kind of problem you wanna avoid is a gravity problem. You can't really do anything to fight gravity, right? It's just something that there is and we have to deal with it. We can't combat it, we can't fight gravity. Or if we do, we'll probably fail miserably. So this is a kind of problem where there's no real solution in this world. So you might take, for example, the idea, and Bill and Dave mentioned this in their book, of someone who's a struggling artist, right? They're trying to make a living through their art, but they can't because the way society works right now is that artists are not known to be completely liquid, right? This is a reality that we must face. And so instead of thinking about it in this way, maybe Another way to reframe the question is, how might I continue to do this thing that brings me joy while still being able to maintain a good living for myself? Quick tip, anytime that you answer a question with always or never or qualitative statements or judgment statements that is a pretty clear indication that you have eliminated any other possibility for a solution, that you're already wedded to this thing that you have in your head. So things like, my boss is such a jerk, or I never get the feedback that I want. I'm always the one that does all of the work. Those are statements where if you check yourself, you'll realize that you've already answered your own question in a way that prevents any other options from existing. There is no right or wrong answer to this first question, but you have to answer it honestly to give yourself a chance to figure out how you've framed the problem and to see if you need to, like putting on a different pair of glasses or a different pair of lenses, look at the problem in a different way. So let's take an example. I was working with an emerging, growing startup where at some point everyone felt like they were running around like a chicken without a head. They were super busy and yet things that needed to get done weren't seeming to get done either on time or at all. So that was my initial observation. I sensed that something was up and I tried to define it, right? People are running around like chickens without heads. But that doesn't get to the root cause of the problem, which is why we need the second question, which is, drumroll please, 
What's really going on here? I know, right? So startlingly simple, and it's basically an amended version of the first question, right? What's going on, and what's really going on? So in your second question, you're delving into the meat of things. What's the root cause of this issue? And you can take your observations a bit further and try and come up with a hypothesis or a guess about what's really going on. If you want to take my example of the headless chickens running around in the emerging startup, as you can see that people are afraid that they're busy, but I dig a little deeper. I can see that people are putting in their best good faith effort to be responsive, to get things done, but there's no clear direction about what they're being asked to do, and more importantly, how and why what they're doing fits in the bigger picture. So they're getting confused, right? They got so confused that they were just doing whatever needed to be done without any real sense of vision or purpose or guiding light that could help them figure out why what they were doing matters. I'll give another example. We can take the jerk example that I mentioned earlier and that Bill and Dave actually discuss in their book, right? So they have a client or someone who they're working with who says my boss is a jerk. And I know that I've coached a number of people who have said something similar, and I'm sure you've had experiences where you have dealt with superiors or people that you work with who just seem to be jerks. If you say what's going on, you'll realize that in your response my boss is a jerk you've dismissed any other options, right? The buck stops at him being a jerk, and if it's a character default, then it's something that you can't change about them. But if you dig a little deeper and say, what's really going on? Why do you think this person is being a jerk to you? And in this case, you might discover that you're looking for feedback or affirmation about whether what you're doing is right or meaningful or contributing, right? That's what we all want in our work situation is to be able to feel like we're contributing to something greater. So, yeah, maybe your boss is being a jerk because they're not giving you that feedback or affirmation that you need. But that's a different problem. That's a solvable problem instead of just saying that this person is a jerk. So now that you've answered these two questions, what's going on? So your initial guess at what's going on? And then what's really going on? So looking in deeper and trying to check yourself and your assumptions and figure out what's actually happening here. You can create ways of looking at the problem that will give you some ideas for solutions. So for example, in the headless chickens scenario, you realize that what people need is direction. So one option that you might have is to have a sit down with these individuals if you're the supervisor, right? Or even if you're a teammate and try and help them understand the bigger picture and how it relates to how each of them is doing. You can talk about having clear deliverables each week and have these critical, sometimes difficult conversations around what you expect of other people and how that ties into your broader mission. I think this is especially true for managers and like I said I work with a lot of startups and entrepreneurs and often they are the ones who are trying so hard right working 24/7 365 to make their vision into a reality that they don't find that they have the time inclination 
to help people along the way as they're building a plane while flying it. So your role as a manager or someone who aspires to lead or wants to make sure that their teammates are bringing their A-game all the time is to be able to have these conversations and clarify expectations so that everybody feels like they're doing work that is purposeful, that is meaningful, that they're getting feedback, and that they're contributing to a bigger mission. In the case of the boss who's a jerk, it's a similar situation, right? It's about having those critical conversations. Maybe you're making assumptions that the boss doesn't want to give you feedback or that somehow they can't give you feedback. Now that you've discovered that feedback is important to you, maybe that's the problem that you try and tackle and solve. You could have a conversation with your superior and say, look, this is what I need. Are you able to work with me on this? And you might be pleasantly surprised. It could be the case that they're just so caught up in their own stuff that they forget, right? And just needed to be reminded and provided with solutions or some structure on how they can make this happen for you. Now, these are just a few solutions to these problems, but there are probably infinite possibilities depending on how you're looking at things. The point is, you're not going to find the perfect solution to each problem every time. That's really not the point. The point is to come up with what Bill and Dave call best doable option. What's doable? What's feasible and realistic at this time? Because if you keep thinking in your head that there is some optimal, perfect solution, then you're going to spin your wheels and you'll never take action and get things done. An especially hard message for introverts to follow because we come up with all of these scenarios in our heads about how we would like things to be in this real world, but We have to work within existing structures, right? The key is to move forward and like a good designer, have a bias toward action instead of getting fixated on finding the perfect outcome. One way to do this is what Bill and Dave call coming up with your minimum actionable problem, right? So that's what you do when you frame your problem statement. What's going on? not be the perfect explanation to the problem, but it gives you a place to start. Also, it's a really super helpful hint because it's got the word action in it. If you've defined your problem in a way that you can't take action on it, then maybe it's time to start thinking about reframing the way you look at the problem. So where does that leave us? Back to where we started. This is a constant process of asking what's going on, what's really going on, what's really, really going on, and refining and adjusting so that you can get to a place where you come up with your minimum actionable problem. It's a problem that requires you and enables you to take action. Once you have that problem defined, it's much easier to come up with doable options. Don't try and go for the perfect solution. Figure out even by like multiple choice or process of elimination, what your best doable options are. And then instead of being stuck, you'll have least one or several paths to move forward. So I hope I've given you some useful tips for how you might deal with the next problem that you face. Like most of the things that we talk about in this podcast, it will only get better with practice. So I'd love to hear from you Send me your thoughts or your notes from you've put these questions into practice and the effort you're putting in every day to become a problem solver. So send me a message. Tell me what's up. Visit me at the underscore Moxiel 
on Instagram, The Moxiegal on LinkedIn, or you can check us out at www.themoxiegal.com. Until our next episode, take care, stay safe, and be well.